Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me. Welcome back. You know, some of you may have heard of this little case in the Supreme Court called Roe versus Wade. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about it again. Uh, today, we just uh, found out in probably the last few hours that uh, Roe versus Wade has been overturned. And I want to take a clinical look at culture through the lens of this, this new um, decision from the court. And so really, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at what this means for our culture. What does this actually mean? Because there's so many narratives out there floating around. And I, I want to make sure that we, we look at as many angles as we possibly can in the next few minutes. So first, I want to emphasize that just like any other court decision, just like any other political decision, just like any other economic decision, just like any, you know, things that go on in your job or your uh, your educational place, your college, your high school, or whatnot. There's a there's a, a gentleman named Charles Swindle. He said, "Life is ten percent what happens to you, and ninety percent how you react." Our culture is going to be determined by how we react. This decision, though it's, it seems really big, and in some ways it is big, um, in many ways it's being made to be bigger by some than it actually is, and it's made to be smaller by some than it actually is. I want to try to create a more balanced therapeutic lens on this. So I'm only going to make a few points. And then, uh, of course, just like any other podcast I've ever done, please, um, you know, follow me and, and ask me questions. Um, send me, uh, you know, notes or emails or whatever it is, because I definitely want to hear your thoughts uh, as we move forward. So number one, let's just outline what, what this means for the, 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 the law change. All it means right now at least. And I'm not saying it can't change trajectory really soon or even fast in a lot of cases. It means that states decide, which means now in some states it will be illegal to have an abortion and in other states it will be legal to have an abortion. And so it just depends on where you are. We may see, um, because of that, we may see some things like internal migration, right? We may see people move from one state to a new state because they either want an abortion or they want to live in a jurisdiction where abortion isn't legal. So we may see something like that. Um, we also may, uh, you know, we'll definitely see disparity between states, right? We can anticipate that. Some states are going to, you know, are, are already probably immediately making it illegal. And so if they perform abortions in those states, they would be breaking the law. So you're going to probably see doctors and 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 whatnot, surgeons that, that are going to need to either need to relocate or um, are going to break the law to see what's going to happen. We're, we're more, more than likely one of those two things, or probably both of those things will end up happening um, because there is going to be disparity between the states. We may see a rise in adoptions. 
that's that's a distinct possibility, right? Because if more states have it on the books that it's illegal, then we should see a rise in adoption, right? Um, either that or it's going into the dark places, right? We're, we're having illegal abortions performed, and that's risky and dangerous and stuff like that, which we all know. Um, so those those things could happen. If If this does occur, if we do see a rise in adoption, it would be my hope at least that all these pro-lifers um, would step up and adopt some kids. I mean, adopted kids have their own therapeutic struggles. Attachment and attachment therapy uh, is a real part of the deal. It's it's a very real part of the, the therapeutic process. We all have attachment issues of different sorts, um, but adoption does present some some of its own kinds of challenges. So people are really going to have to step up. Uh, you know, that's something that we would probably need to see in our culture. Um, we may see uh, a decrease in mental trauma related to abortions. Uh, that there's a distinct possibility that that's going to happen, but we also may see an increase in, um, you know, trauma related to adoption. You know, there's, if there's more adoptions and, or, or potentially there could be illegal abortions, which could create all kinds of different trauma. So that's what happens when it's pushed back to the States. Now the States have to decide, but then they also have to decide how to manage these things that I was just talking about. How do we manage as a state the influx and migration? How do we manage as a state the disparity between states? I mean, there's in all reality, if, if we're paying attention, there's disparity between states on all kinds of issues. There's a reason why, as a therapist, we have to get licensed in every single state that we want to provide services because there's disparity. There's points of difference that states have. They they weigh this thing more importantly than that thing or vice versa. Or, and so it goes. So now, now that's all pushed back to the states. Um, for those people who are uh, you know, pro the the states controlling themselves, the the school district controlling itself. That you know, the the lowest level form of government. You know, th th those people are probably ecstatic right now. They're thinking this is really good, but it also means that they need to be more proactive in their communities because we're going to have different kinds of issues that come up from this. That is a reality. All right, point number two. So that was that was point number one. It's back to the states. States are going to decide, and we're going to see some of those things. And there's there's probably stuff that I'm missing in here. Um, number two, uh, we're going to likely see some pro-choice protests. That's most likely going to happen. Um, if you go back to my my podcast called The Rumble on uh, June 21st, I, I put one out. Um, I did talk specifically about protesting. I think there's a way to do it that's good and effective, and there's a way to do it that's dangerous and unhealthy, um, because therapeutically we can see that, right? If we and I in that particular one, I did a comparison between family dynamics and the ideas of protest. There's a way to have our voice heard, and then there's a way to be um, unhealthy about having our voice heard. And my hope is that we would choose the healthy way. Um, I, you know, I'm not convinced in our current culture that we are going to do that. Um, I think the vast majority of the people would would do it well, uh, but it it just takes a few to create a movement that is not good and healthy. And hopefully, that will be uh, something that people will take into consideration if and when they decide to protest. Um, and the way in which they decide to protest will dictate what happens culturally. 
remember, keep this in mind. This is this is super important. I know I've said it before, um, but culture, economics, um, things like protesting, those are all pieces of our culture. They don't make up our entire culture. That what makes up our entire culture is when we all act and behave during our day, right? So if we make a commitment to do things in a good and healthy way, then our culture is good and healthy. If we make a commitment that we're mad and we're angry or we're fearful, or then what we do is we insert that into our communities and we create problems. And so some of it is decision and some of it is like emotions are raw. Emotions are going to be tough. When we talk about emotions and emotional regulation, I know that's not easy. And yet we all have a responsibility to navigate our thoughts, our feelings together. We have to do that. There has to be a balancing impact. Um, so you're, you know, what we often say in therapy is your head, heart, soul. The, the, the more congruent and consistent we are in connecting our head with our heart and with our soul, the better off we are in interacting with others because we're going to be more stable and more healthy just in general, congruent. Okay, the third thing. So that was the the pro-choice protests. The third thing I'm going to point out is, um, I've already seen this a tiny bit, there's going to be an attack on religion. It's, it's somebody is going to want somebody to blame. Like, let's be real. People like to blame. Remember blaming, putting fingers at others, right? Um, uh, that That is part of the, the, the victim game. You know, the rescuer, the persecutor, the victim, and it's unhealthy. Look, we can blame or we can respond, like Charles Swindle said, 90% of it is how we react. We can blame or we can just own that this is where we are and we can take steps to make sure we go in a good, healthy direction from here because this is where we are, whether you like it or not. We are here and we need to take appropriate steps at the state level to make sure that we create a healthy culture. Okay. So in the, these attacks, um, we're, we're hopefully not going to see violence, but I, I did want to point out that there will be narrative spins of different sorts. As if all of the religions got together and said, ban abortion, which is not what happened. Right. That's it's not we we are we, in the desire to blame something. We are going to point at things like religion. Um, and I, you know, that's not a healthy response. Um, and it's going to happen. Like I, I, I definitely expect that to occur. Uh, we're also number four I've got here is attack. There's going to be attacks on the the re, the the possibility that there's less freedom for females. I, I want to get after this one a tiny bit because one, if we're saying we're taking away freedom, look, the loss of freedom is a big deal. Like we we are very fortunate here in the American culture that we have what we call freedom, and we we have it meaning um, we are freer than the vast majority of the world has ever experienced. And with that in mind, there's a responsibility. 
I would never want to take someone's freedom away. Uh, you know, part of the reason I went in the military was to fight for freedom so that people here could say and do things that I don't agree with. And that's just, you know, that's, that's just what it is. I mean, we, we want people to be free. At least I do. But this is not as much about women's rights as it's being made out to be. Look, the two angles, you, you hear them all the time. It's protect the baby, protect the women's rights. Well, what if the woman has a baby inside of her? Which one do we protect? There has to be a choice being made there of some sort that we are going to protect one or the other, because in some situations we cannot protect both. So we're, we, you know, this Roe v. Roe v. Wade being overturned is simply saying states have to decide, do they want to protect the women or the baby? Because that's really the decision that's being made. So I wanted to highlight this because this is this to me seems important. Uh, you know, uh, look back a hundred years ago, and women's rights were super different than they are today. And I, I think back to you know, th their sexual freedom. Now, I'm not a woman, but sexual freedom. If we just go back to like 1922, there was a totally different cultural perspective on sexual freedom. And in some ways, um, that what that contrast that we see there is going to help us see better today about what we can or should do. And I say that because we have contraception. We have uh, you know the 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 right, the right to do what you want with your body unless it impedes on a baby, right? So a woman still has the right to say something like this to a man. And trust me, I, I, for me as a man saying this, I, I get that it's going to come with certain perceptions and connotations. But if a woman were to say, no protection, <laughs> no problem, honey, that means no sex. What do you think the man's going to do? Like using some what I think is probably common sense. I don't know if it's that common, but like a, a man is going to use protection. Now, I'm not saying that he can't be like deceitful and and do things that would prevent the protection from working. Right? That's possible. But nowadays, we also have protection for women, so they could use protection. So the man could use protection. The woman could demand protection. The man could use protection. The man could demand protection. These are all options. So my question there becomes, and this is actually a question I have, is freedom lost? Is choice lost? I would argue possibly no, because the freedom and the choice just happens before the conception. That, that's where the freedom and choice happens. There are certain things in this world, and it's not just with sex, with a lot of things, that once we make the choice, the consequences are the consequences. Gambling, for instance, if we, if we go and we put, you know, $20 into lottery tickets and they, the time comes that the, the lottery ticket drawing has occurred, 
we can't take it back and go, oops, that was a mistake. I, I didn't mean to. Can I get my money back? It doesn't work like that. Our choice is made at a certain point in time. And there's there's millions of examples just like that, where we make decisions that have what we call natural consequences. In the therapeutic world, we talk about natural consequences all the time. Well, one of the potential natural consequences, and consequences could be good or bad, right? Depends on where you are in your world, right? Like for instance, I could have the natural consequences of having a baby. I would think that's a good thing, but to somebody else, that would be a bad thing, right? So natural consequence though is once I have the act of sex, I could potentially have a baby. That's a reality. I don't have to like it. It is the reality. What we're saying is that the choice there maybe is is where the decision was made. I don't know. Like I'm not in the head of the justices, but I do want it to be known that the, the woman still has the right to say no to sex. The woman still has the right to say no if you're not going to use protection. Like those things haven't shifted. This hasn't changed any of that because rape is still rape. You know, like that's, and I know that creates a whole nother dialogue and a whole, I mean, and trauma and all of that stuff, which I'm happy to get into if somebody has questions or concerns about that. I, I was planning actually to do one on trauma before too long, but it wasn't necessarily going to be focused on sexual trauma. Um, but that's really where the decision is, is seems to be made. So is it really a loss of freedom? I mean, the narrative is going to say that, um, but I think it could be easily argued uh, that Maybe not. And from a therapeutic lens, I'm not talking about, you know, in a court of law or anything. I'm just therapeutically, we make decisions all the time that have natural consequences. All right. The fifth one, this is a law interpretation. This is not a political interpretation. This is not an economic interpretation. This is a law interpretation. And that's an important thing because like I said a, a few minutes ago, the truth of the matter from my vantage point as a therapist is that these things are all part of culture. So my question now remains, what is our culture saying about babies and about women? I think my interpretation as of the moment is that our culture is saying it wants to protect babies from some potentially irresponsible women some women who have had sex and then decide they don't want a baby. Now I know there's always the argument and I've, I've actually seen some of these, these cases sitting on my, my couch. And, and I got to tell you, like they're, they're tough. They're really tough cases when they come in. The other argument is, well, what if there's rape or what if there's, you know, like there's all kinds of exceptions and I get it. And, and, and the truth is we will never have a law that can cover every circumstance. It's just, it doesn't exist. It does not exist. Uh, you know, we, we know that even with some of the extremes, like murder, there's never a good, you know, a good excuse for murdering until somebody breaks into your house and is trying to kill you. And then murder seems pretty reasonable at that moment. I mean, w- was it self-defense? Still murder. They died. You did it. I mean, it's, you know, so, so we, we will never have a law that's going to cover every circumstance. That's super important 
as we move forward to understand as a culture. Look, therapeutically, we create abstract thinking processes in our teen years. Those abstract thinking processes allow us to hold these tensions that we're going to do the best we can. And then when there are exceptions, we've got to have a, a way of navigating those exceptions because there's going to be exceptions to every single law. There just are. And we've got to find a way to navigate those in a healthy, good way. And I can tell you from my vantage point, I've given you five points. I think we, we got to sit down and talk. We got to talk at the state level. We got to talk at the community level. We got to talk, I mean, or talk around the water cooler at work. And we got to do it from a place where we are engaging our head, our heart, and our soul. Understand that those things are important. We, we got to do it in a way that is reasonable, kind, respectful, and yet courageous and brave. And when that happens, I think we're going to find good solutions to any of the problems that come up as a result of this Roe v. Wade um, case. I know I've given you guys a lot of stuff to to chew on. It's my hope that that what I did made sense. And um, I, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on, on what it means for our culture to have this case um, be overturned. Thank you so much for joining me and have a great day.